Do you believe Lynn and Jeff and the Baseball and Barbecue Podcast are getting a cup of coffee in the big leagues as part of the Believe Network? This is Doug Scheiding of Rogue Cookers and Barbecue World Champion and guest host. And I can't wait to listen to the 40 million followers cheering for the upcoming show content. I believe. Do you? Gary Mack of the Mets Musings Podcast. And if you want a lip-smacking, finger-licking good podcast, then you got to listen to Baseball and BBQ with Len and Jeff. They have the best guests and the best recipes on all the internet. So check it out. Baseball and BBQ. From the studios of Baseball and BBQ on Long Island, New York, this is episode number 162 of Baseball and BBQ, where the BBQ stands for? Bar-ba-Q. Okay. I'm Jeff the Mad Ranter Cohen, along with Leonard Hollywood Aberman. We welcome you back to our podcast, and we have a good one today, Leonard. Yes, we do, Jeff. It's so good to be here. I, I'm just uh, barbecue. Yeah, bar- barbecue. The BBQ stands for barbecue. What does the baseball stand for, Jeff? Everything and anything in the world of baseball. Yes. And you know what, Jeff? What's that? We we have two great guests. We do. Episode. One, six, two, two great guests. We crossed the country. We crossed crossed the country with this episode. We we certainly did. And we're going to tell you who those great guests are in just a moment. But let me tell everybody this. Basketball is back. And Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season you'll always find the latest odds team matchup information player news and game trends at bet online and as your continued source for all sports wagering information bet online features live betting free contests and giveaways all season long always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events whether that's the NFL, the NBA, the NHL, the MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BLEAVE, that's B L. E-A-V, to receive your rewards. Bet online, where the game starts. 
we're not going to delay any longer. Let's let the people know who who they're going to be hearing on this episode. Jeff, the, the play-by-play voice of the Seattle Mariners. Jeff, that's Dave Sims. That, that is Dave Sims. We've got Dave Sims. We do have Dave Sims on on this podcast. I'm pretty excited about that. And that's baseball. But Jeff, this is baseball and barbecue. Who do we have for barbecue? All the way from the great state of Pennsylvania, Dan, Big Dan Bosworth. Yes. And he is of the Barbecue Happy Hour podcast, which you and I had the honor to be on. You know, I I, I mentioned him in the interview and he explains why that the last interview I think they did was with Joey Machado back in September. You know, Jeff, that was only a couple episodes after our episode. I'm just glad that it wasn't our episode that's the last <laughs> one they did. Yeah. Because then I don't want to be the the one that brings it down. We toppled the pot. <laughs> you know, I'm glad they went on after us and had a couple more, but they'll be back with more. But two very good interviews. Jeff, can we just talk about Dave for a second? Sure. Dave Sims. You know what was great? When we when you listen to Dave Sims, there's voices that you just that 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 bring you back. Whether it's, you know, the announcers for your favorite sports team, whether it's Walter Cronkite, Dan Rather, you hear those voices, you're you're instantly, you know, transported somewhere. You just right. The Mets announcers, Gary, Keith, and Ron, they just go together. When I hear Dave Sims. Yes, he's, you know, I don't hear Seattle Mariner games, but I do remember when he was on FAN so distinctly. And when I hear his voice, I just think of those shows. I used to listen midday radio in New York. I mean, midday radio is not, you know, considered a big radio, but but on FAN, the midday has always been really a good show, whether it's. The Russ sweater Salzburg, and the schmoozer, Russ right? And Steve right. Summers, right? And then, of course, Dave Sims and um, Ed, Coleman, Ed Coleman, right? Right. They called it the Coleman and the Soul Man, right? And of course, you had Evan Roberts and Joe Benigno, right? I mean, those are all really good shows that could have easily been drive time shows. You know, the 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 afternoon drive time. So, I really enjoyed talking to Dave and. Um, and I think everybody's gonna gonna really listen and, and enjoy it. So yeah, good. So you want to get to uh, Dave Sims right now? Yeah. Why why delay any longer? Let's do it. And here's Dave Sims. Our guest on baseball and BBQ is a native of Philadelphia and went to Bethany College in West Virginia. He has quite the resume. He started his career as a sports writer for the New York Daily News. From there, he became a sports reporter for WNBC Radio Sports Night. This was prior to the old sports WFAN. Then on to covering track and field for 1988 Summer Olympics in Seoul, Korea. From September 89th through February 93, he was the co-host of WFAN's Midday Show with Ed Coleman. Sandwiched between Imus in the Morning and Mike and the Mad Dog. He was also a TV sports reporter for WCBS-TV and a radio host for the New York Knicks. He has broadcast on ESPN, Fox, MLB.com, and Westwood One Sports. He has done play-by-play for college basketball, college and pro football, and Major League Baseball. For the past 16 seasons, he's been the play-by-play voice for the Seattle Mariners. He has called not one but two perfect games in the same season. 
He's the one and only Dave Sims. Welcome to Baseball and BBQ, Dave. Welcome, Jeff, Dave. Good to see you guys. How how, how are you? Doing well. Doing your well. Your life. <laughs> yeah, no, where's, where's, Alf, where's, where's Ralph Edwards, eh? Right. Exactly. <laughs> wow, Jeff. Okay, we're done. We know what you did. Okay, you did a lot. Goodbye. <laughs> Dave, yeah, 2022 was your 16th season with the Mariners, and the first 15 did not result in any playoff qu- playoffs for the team. My first question is, how much fun did you have calling the Mariners last season? We don't have enough time to really <laughs> talk about it. it. Was like it's so off the chart. I mean, it was an abundance of fun for the team, the players, that you know, the team, the organization, the city, the region, and uh, and, and a few fans that are scattered around the country and East Coast. So I, I constantly I hear from on a, a regular basis. No, it was uh, as exciting as could be. You know, we had come close to uh, the year before. Hanniger hit the two run eighth inning single against the A's that that propelled the uh, Mariners to stay alive for one more game. And then, you know, again, the next day or Sunday, the game was over early. But they at least got a taste of a playoff chase. This year, they get into the playoffs, Cal Raleigh with the home run, get into the playoffs and upset Toronto, and then had Houston by the short hairs in game one, two yeah. outs, two on, ninth inning. And then Alvarez hits one to the moon, and, and that just took everything out. It was a great year. Hey, all in all, it <laughs> Absolutely. was a wonderful year. Back to back 90 win seasons. Scott Service again, a finalist for manager of the year. Well deserved. You know, hopefully it's an onward and upward from here. You know, I mentioned this is your life. Je- Jeff re- read that. And I-, I know you do a bunch of these podcasts. And and it really is when you when you hear all the things that you've done, it must be amazing to to sit there and think, wow, I did that. And I did that. Yeah. But I'm going to take you back to when you first started on WFAN because it, the station was in its infancy. I actually graduated from uh, college in 88. So I lived in New York in 89 when you came on the midday show. And I remember that extremely well. And I loved that show. I loved Thank the you. two of you together. I'm sorry I interrupted you. Thank you. And I, that was extremely unprofessional of me. <laughs> but I, I did. I, I loved the show. I heard you. Heard you. I, I read something. Uh, somebody did a history of WFAN, and and they and you said something interesting. You said they were trying to bring together. You would be the angry black man and and Ed Coleman would be the you know the Irish guy from Boston and. You two would, you know, it would be controversy, but you guys got along great. And yeah, I mean, it was easy from day one. I mean, Eddie's one of the really good guys. And I, I, you know, proud to say he was a partner for what, two and a half, three and a half years, whatever it was. And this was after largely being a solo act at uh, WNBC from what was that 86 to 88 when, until NBC got out of the business. And, you know, Mike Green was my producer, but we didn't, we didn't often. Share, you know, we weren't on simultaneously. I mean, he would do updates and that kind of stuff, and and line up guests and bring guys in. But yeah, the the, the WFAN thing was great, and, and it was funny when they came aboard when they came online in July of '87. Like, remember our, our GM and our, the president of our station? Everybody's laughing. Ah, eh, nobody's got sports all day. Come on, what are you talking about? Hey, listen to these guys. And the next day, and oh, boom! Here's you know. The original all sports station, probably and uh, probably still the, the best all sports station in the country. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I'm going to take you back. You're now living in. Uh, do you live in Seattle now? 
during baseball season. I'm back home. That's that's the New York skyline. By all right, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm back so, in Manhattan. Yeah. All right, but you grew up in Philadelphia. Yeah. Uh, so, what was your sport of choice, and did you always know you wanted to be in sports? Oh God, yeah, yeah, no question. Philly's, as you know, is a rabid sports town, and you know my father you know, was part of that group, and you know he played high school football, and you know, long story short, he, you know, at that time, you know, he was a World War II veteran. And so many guys of his of his generation, a lot of guys, post the United States Post Office main PO at 30th Street Market employed a lot of black World War II veterans and Korean veterans and HBCU graduates. And my father worked his way up from blue collar to white collar job. He was a supervisor, probably in the top, he was like the fourth highest ranking guy and one of the top, I'll just say one of the top 10 ranked guys at the PO. Anyway. We went to everything. He took me to Eagles games, uh, Warriors games when Wilt was there, Phillies games. We lived 10 minutes, 10, 15 minute walk from County Mac Stadium. Uh, he played in the softball league for the PO. He ran the, he was the commissioner of the basketball league. I've been in sports since I was about yo big. <laughs> so, and and I played all through high school and a couple of years in college. So I knew I was going to, you know, this was a pursuit I wanted to get after. You know, I, I wanted to be like a millions of other guys wanted to be a major league ball player, but that didn't work out. But I had, a, you know, I had, a, I had an unbelievable time. Four years in high school, I was what two-time outstanding player, co-captain senior year, four-year letterman, three-year letterman in uh, football, two in basketball. So, being a jock and being around jocks and you know, living that life is that that's that's what I've been all about. And I'm going to take you back as well. You know, this this show, when we started out, we, we didn't know what direction it was going to go. But apparently, Jeff and I just love history. doesn't matter if it's baseball history. Same here. The, yeah. yeah. The history of barbecue we love and, and the history of the media. So we we tend to just keep drifting back to history. I mean, we'll get current. But you also were on many times with now this. I was a kid. And I loved, absolutely loved every night listening to Art Russ Jr. Oh, did I love Art Russ? It was a beauty. It was an absolute <laughs> beauty. And at that time, that was a big deal. First of all, it was really good. Second of all, as a, as a black guy commanding that type of uh, attention and uh, re, you know being renowned in the city, and for the longest time, he would. And I think WMCA had some weekend soirees of uh, sports, but you know, Art was on WABC, fifty thousand watts, clear channel. Mm-hmm. You know, and he was the only he was the only nighttime sports guy uh, for a very long time. And then WNBC came along and they brought Jack Spector, who was a fabulous DJ back in the early rock and roll days. But it's kind of hard to say, hey, that was Billy Joel. Up next, after this timeout, we're going to talk about the Yankees right here in WNBC. <laughs> didn't quite quite work, and that led to you know short lived run for Jack, uh, God rest his soul. And, and then the opportunity was provided uh, to me and, and we ran with it for two and a half, three years. I was on once as a kid. I called Art Russ Jr. And I recorded it. I wish I could find the recording, you know, at that time on a cassette tape. And he, I remember he said to me, that's a good point, young man. And I'll <laughs> always remember that. I hear his voice and I just, I, I absolutely loved it. Yeah, art, art was a beauty, and and one thing I to this day that I use that I, 
and learned from him. And, and he knew boxing, 30s, 40s, 50s. He knew about everything in boxing. And one time a guy called up and said, well, you know, I don't know anything about Tony Canadeo. I was a little bit, I think it was Tony Canadeo, somebody. It was an Italian fighter from back in the day in the 30s. And he said, that was before my time. And, and Art said, ho, ho, wait, wait a second. Lincoln was before your time. Read a book. <laughs> and i i I thought that was one of the great rejoinders of all time oh my god it was wonderful lincoln was before your time read a book i even have guys i've had managers and players say you know so-and-so is before my so what i know you know i know who mel ott was i know who ty cobb and you know sam crawford and you know come on if you're going to be in your in your, in your sport, you got to know the history of your sport. Definitely, you know. Uh, right now, Len and I are reading a book uh, on Red Barber in, in preparation for another interview. Uh, he was, uh, you know, one of the like oh, you yeah. said, history great, great, great announcer. Him, Mel Allen, you know, Vince Scully. Obviously, was there one particular broadcast that you tried to emulate yourself after? Well, I, I think first of all, what was the Red Barber book? What's the Red Barber book? It's called about? Red Barber. <laughs> Yeah. And it's huge. Yeah, it's big, like 400 pages. Okay. Yeah. Well, encyclopedia big. Okay. I, know. Yeah. I just bought Joe Posnanski's uh, the top 100. Yeah. Yep. Growing up in Philly, Bill Campbell was the man at the at the time, uh, in the 50s and 60s, in late 50s, early 60s, because I can remember, still remember him doing the Eagles 1960 championship game. Lombardi's only postseason loss. Eagles beat him for the championship December 26, 1960. Franklin Field in Philly, and he did eventually did they did the Eagles, and then he was doing uh, baseball with the Phillies, and he was doing the Sixers. Matty, I can't believe Julius Service got Julius Irving got fouled, and no call from Earl Yogi Strom. What's going on here? You know, that whole thing. Yeah, he was a big influence, and then most of the guys. You know, I was watching sports TV all along. I mean, you, you name the roster of guys at all three networks, and I could. Chris Shankle, yeah. Keith, Keith Jackson, uh, Charlie Jones, who I got to work with, obviously Scully Summerall, uh, Jim Simpson, uh, Don Crickey, so many guys. And then Harry Callison filling in. All of those guys were you know, people that I followed and, and admired and have gotten to meet a lot of them over the course of time. Yep. Lindsay Bolton, Gowdy, how can I forget those guys? Sure. Well, by the way, the book is called Red Barber, The Life and Legacy of a Broadcasting Legend by James Walk and Judith Hiltner. Just let you know. Oh, I don't have that one. I'll have to get that after. I'm, I'm way behind on my reading as it is. I'll have to add that to my list. Dave, this one will serves two purposes. It one, it's phenomenal reading. And two, if ever there's a break-in. You just drop this on someone's head. It's right. guaranteed to knock them out. It's yes. it's huge. <laughs> like I, I got you. It's just like uh, I was just talking to my friend Jane Levy, who wrote the, the most probably the most recent prominent book about Babe Ruth. Mm-hmm. That was years ago. And I was talking to her the other day. She says, you know, that book was very long. She said, I know I put too much information in it. I said, yeah, you did. But I read every because you're my girl. I read the whole thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> and we should let everyone know. Because this is, you know, most people will be listening to this in audio, but you have a very nice hat on yes. at number 42. I'll I, I tell you where I got it from. It's thank you. Uh, we were here. The Mariners were here first of all, first of August, play the Yankees. And I had an opportunity to go down to Jackie Robinson uh, Museum. They, they were a month away from opening. I got a tour and, it was, and it's fabulous. So about. Three weeks ago now, Robert Wall, who played Arliss, he's a friend of mine. He was in town, 
and we had had dinner, me and Costas, and he says, you want to go to Jackie Robinson? He said, I said, yeah, it'd be my second time. So this time the store was open and I had I made it a point. I was buying at least one cap that had 42 on it. And I got this one and I got a black one. So it was uh, it's part of that's my trademark. I got we have I got one that we had uh, African American Heritage Day years ago at, in Seattle. And it just it's my uh, I think huge debt of gratitude to Mr. Robinson and his wife for what they did. Certainly I wouldn't be in my position without what you know what they did and what they accomplished and i think in the history of major league baseball i'm only like the fourth or fifth black guy to have his own team so they mean a lot to me yeah you know the more and more i read up on, on jackie robinson and we've interviewed bob kendrick and some other people uh, associated with jackie robinson you know the more we have an appreciation for him absolutely oh, without a doubt. yeah in fact i was just watching they had 42 on the, the yeah. mlb network the other day and i was watching it uh, you had but, bob kendrick go to see one of the great storytellers of all time oh well. yeah Yes. Oh, tremendous. Yes. Oh, Dave. <laughs> Dave, I, I, I'll tell you a quick story. You know, you keep dropping names, not not purposely, but like <laughs> you, you mentioned Robert Wool, we had him on. You mentioned He's Joe Brzezinski, we had him on. It's a, I love it because I love the fact that well, one that's one of the benefits of doing this show is we get to talk yeah. to people like you and like them, but. Quick story, in December, it will be five years that we're doing this podcast. And when we started, we didn't know what we were doing. Maybe we still don't. But it was going to be, we, we were trying to decide, the talking to each other and thinking people were interested in just hearing what we had to say was wearing thin. So we said we should get a guest. And it was going to be Black History Month. And so Jeff said, you know, maybe there's something with the Negro Leagues, let's look that up. And he found there was a museum in Kansas City. And yeah. we thought, okay, maybe we could get like a docent on and talk about the museum. And I called the museum. And they said, well, let me put you through to the president. And I got this message, the machine, and I left a message. I didn't know who the president was. I didn't know who Bob Kendrick was at the time. Shame on me, I know. But 10 minutes later, I get a call back. It's Bob Kendrick. And he said, I'll be glad to come on with you. We've had him on, I think, three times. And you are. Is you that are, all? <laughs> he's the first guest. Our yeah. very first guest. Our very first guest. He is oh, the best beauty. storyteller. Yes. Unbelievable. Yeah. And yeah. we are looking forward to going to the museum. And you hopefully haven't been yet? Him. No, we haven't been there yet. Uh, oh, man. We will, the though. Jazz Museum attached to it. Yeah. The jazz Museum. So spend the whole day. And, you know, make sure when you make your reservation, make sure you get the personal tour from Bob. Oh, yeah. Yes. I mean, the museum itself is you know pretty self-explanatory, but you get that extra layer or two from Bob. Forget about oh, it. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, Robert Wool already shamed us. He said yes. <laughs> you have he said you have a baseball and barbecue podcast and you haven't been to Kansas City. Yeah. So we've already been put in our place. Yeah. By, <laughs> yeah. Yes, that, by all right. List. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Dave, do you have a significant play or a game that you, you covered that you really, it stands out that you're really, really proud of? Well, right now it's pretty easy. I mean, at uh, what was it, October 1 when Raleigh hit the home run? I mean, my goodness, to get us in the playoffs. I mean, after, you know, we had a couple close calls, I think a close call in 14, 16, and 18. And this time actually getting in was huge. And then uh, prior to that, my favorite was, um, 
the uh, 2012 Felix perfect game that had never been a perfect game you know, by a Mariner. So those are the two that jump out at me real quick. I was talking about it was a game, I think it was in 16. It might have been game 161. It was against the A's. We needed to win the last couple of games to stay alive. And uh, Nelson Cruz had a three-round homer to tie it up in the seventh. We eventually went on to lose something to like 10-9, 11-10. It was just a barn burner of a game. So that comes to mind as well. But those are the three off the top real quick. Yeah. Let me ask you this. You you said uh, Felix Hernandez's perfect game. You also called Philip Unber's perfect game that same season. I don't think anybody's going to call three in one season. So you have a pretty good record. Well, it's like Johnny Vandermeer's record. It's never exactly, be yeah. You got it right. <laughs> I mean, you got to go three perfect games to break it. Come right. on. <laughs> now, tell us a story. Now, uh, for Phil Umber's perfect game, you were on only on Seattle, correct? And then yeah, you, we were in Seattle, and Chicago, because we were the B net game. Uh, Yankees and Red Sox were the A net game, and then they came to us, and uh, I think with one out or two outs in the uh, ninth inning. Mm-hmm. And I was working with Eric Caro, so we always had that kind of same once or twice a year. And, and we always talk about that. That was a lot of fun. I remember he was on air. He met that excursion was the studio host that day, and Karis was chilling him. You're just now coming to us. We got a perfect game, man. Come on. What are you? <laughs> it was it was something special. It was weird for me being the Mariners announcer. And now I gotta call it call it straight down the middle when we're getting per, you know perfectoed by Umber. God you know, God bless him. I don't think he's been hurt from since, but um right. in, in terms of baseball. But that was that was pretty amazing, and I'd never, yeah, that was the first uh, first perfecto I called. When I get to the second one with uh, Felix, I mean, it the emotion was a lot a lot different because it was our guy, right. and knowing the historical you know significance of it, I mean, it was just like, oh my god, and he was just dealing that day. And it was funny, he had had a game at Yankee Stadium, I think it was a one hitter that he says he might have been better in that game. Than he was uh, in the perfecto. I remember mm-hmm. Swisher, Nick, uh, yeah, Nick Swisher, tipping his cap after he walked away. <laughs> he looked at a breaking ball for called strike three. I was like, oh my God. I mean, that was in Yankee Stadium. That's got to be, let's see, that, that had to be like 2010 or 11. Dave, you call games on TV, but you also now call them on the radio. Do you prefer one over the other? Well, the way we have our setup, on radio, only as pres- as we presently stand, I get to do three innings as opposed to I do nine innings on TV. So ergo, I, I prefer, prefer TV, but I love calling games on radio. I really do. It's it's a lot of fun. So you've been a writer for the Daily News, and when you were a writer for the Daily News, people actually bought the newspaper. They actually yeah, and they, and they read it on the yeah. subway. You'd see them on the buses and subways carrying stuff, and now. Sure. Everybody's looking at their phone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And now you need to we'd love to see that happen, a transition. <laughs> so you've done that, radio, TV. Are you in your dream job now? Oh, I would say so. Major League Baseball is only figure if each what do we have? 30 teams. If each team has four broadcasters, one of 120 jobs in a country of almost 300 million, darn right up my dream job. <laughs> so, so so if I said to you, the daily news is calling, they want you to come back. Don't give them your number. You know, it's funny as, as you get older and, and 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 you think about things. If if everybody has a price, if you know if they if they were looking for a column, and, and I, I worked for Dick Young, and I remember his what Clubhouse Confidential, mm-hmm. you know, notes, quotes, and anecdotes. If they want to pay me for something like that, I, I could do it, but I wouldn't do it. You know, it wouldn't be full time; it'd be once a week. Right. Yeah, 
Yeah, and you're not going to be a beat reporter, that's for sure. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> There's a long gone. <laughs> oh, is Ernie Horwood there? Long gone. Yeah. <laughs> you know, having been in baseball for so many years, you've seen the changes uh, of the game. Can you give us some thoughts of changes that are positive and some of that uh, that are negative? Well, I like what Joe Madden says. You know, analytics are great. Information is great. But when you have analytic guys telling coaches, at least a few years ago, when you had a lot of veteran coaches who spit and toothpaste and, and uh, chewing gum, putting things together, living the life, you know, going by their gut instinct, or by, you know, by what they see and hear. I mean, all due credit to the analytics. A lot of it is really good. But he, somebody told me the other day, I was talking to a former player about this. He says, you can't coach analytics. You, you know, the analytics are going to tell you if a guy's having a bad day, the analytics sometimes don't mean a daggone thing. All right. And you might have to go out there and cajole, cajole a guy or, or, or rip him a new one to motivate, you know, get him motivated. The analytics can't help you on that. So you got to work them together. And uh, Joe Madden, I, watching him talking about his new book that's out, and he said, listen, you're going to have analytic guys come in and tell, you know, veteran coaches how they have have to do certain things all the time, you know, by those numbers. It's not always applicable. You have to have a, you know, there has to be a balance. And and then I'm glad that this year we got a pitch clock. I'm glad the shift has been banned since these guys refused to. And I know 100 miles an hour. Everybody's still on 100 miles an hour. And it's not, you know, it's easier said than done. Oh, go the other way. I know it's not. But, you know, Carew, Brett, and guys like that, and guys even before them, they were able to do it. And so this take the shift away. Hopefully that'll get some more offense in the game because we certainly need it. I heard you on, you were on some kind of reunion show with uh, with Eddie Coleman in like 2009. They read uh, probably two. Th- well, uh, yeah, let's say two thousand. Let's say it was eighty-seven. So it might have been two thousand twelve. We've been to what thirty-fifth anniversary. You were yeah. well. You were on something called Player Pulse because it was very. It was funny. You you were at the time. I think you were in Chicago, and Ed was Who in the interview. City Field had just opened recently, and he was talking mm-hmm. about Johan Santana being the best pitcher in baseball. So that was. Back then, Santana was on the Mets. It's uh, uh, sort of familiar. Yeah, you did like a, a reunion, and it said part one. And then I went looking for part two, and I couldn't find it. And you know what? It was like you guys never missed a beat. <laughs> yeah, right? I know. It's unbelievable. It, yeah, you, like, you're right. Yeah. So I, I want to just talk back to your, your FAN days, because if, if self now – was talking to me then and saying one day you're going to have Dave Sims on a podcast and who knew what a podcast was then <laughs> I would have said you're crazy but when you were on FAN for that time did they encourage their uh broadcasters to do other shows did you have to run that by management how strict were they with with the fact no, that you guys... we didn't have the volume then that we have now so other shows, I mean, let's see, when I left in 93, so much has happened in the 30, now coming up on 30 years since I wow, left. Wow, it is that long. I know, it's scary. <laughs> you know, before it's like, yeah, I left FAM three years ago. Yeah, how about that? multiplying <laughs> that by 10? Um, <laughs> no, there were no restrictions like that, no. And then again, I mean, like, could I go on art show? Yeah, it was competition. We didn't, we didn't, we didn't do that. 
Right. Um, and then at the time, I think, and Mad Dog was over, was just breaking in at, at uh, MCA. That was even, wait a minute, that was even before that. I remember in 86, 87, he was doing like Saturdays at MCA. Right. So, yeah, there were no restrictions, no. Okay. okay. All right. I'm going to bring you back to the modern baseball. You know, as you can see my background, I'm a Mets fan, Len's a Mets fan. And I want to deal, I want to know, what's the deal with Jesse Winker and the Mets? They have that love-hate relationship. Uh, what did he say? There was something, I, I guess he had a big home run day or something when he's with the Reds at, at uh, City Field. And he just played that, you know, he's pretty uh, gregarious guy. And he was just playing to the crowd. I, I laughed my entire, that laughed my butt off that entire series the way he was working the crowd. I think he had a home run too, one of the games. Mariners won two out of three. Matter of fact, they got the Mariners going. I think we were right around that time. We were 29 and 39 and then we finished like 64 and 30 something. So it was great. But yeah, he's a character. He, you know, he had some moments, but not enough. And and uh, he was coming off a great year in Cincinnati, and and uh, they hit like two sixteen for us this past year. So he's got a chance to turn things around uh, next year. We could use it. We could use that twenty six, what eighty five or so RBI form that he had in twenty one. We could use that next year for sure. Yeah, I also I met Chris Flexen a, a few years ago at an event for, for the Mets, and uh, he seemed like such a good kid. Uh, I know he went over to overseas before he came back. How's he doing in Seattle? He had a great year. I mean, he came back. I remember talking to him, I guess, during the early stage of the pandemic. So it had been, what, January 21. And I remember him talking about he lost like 63, 65 pounds, mm. changed everything, came back in great shape. And he, he pitched well. As a matter of fact, 21 season. Only Garrett Cole won more games uh, than he did in the American League. I think he won 15, I think Cole, or 14, and Cole won 15 or 16. You know, he was putting a bullpen late in the season in 22. Early part of the season, he had a lot of hard work, hard luck. He was pitching well, not getting run, enough run support. He was, he was a big piece of the uh, ball club. And then when Kirby and uh, Logan Gilbert sort of stepped up their games, they went up, the Mariners put him in a bullpen as a long guy late in the season, this past season. Yeah, well, I wish yeah. him well. He was always a he was, he was such a good kid when I when I met him. You know, wish yeah. him well. You know, Dave, talking about the time going by and the fact that you've been now with Seattle for sixteen years, you've become the voice of Seattle Mariners baseball. I mean, when we talk about broadcasters and like the Mets, Jeff said we're Mets fans, and of course, you know they've got the team of Cohen and Hernandez and um, and and yeah, Darlin. Yeah. Right. But you have become you if if somebody says Seattle Mariners, they're going to say Dave Sims. I mean, there are yeah. kids that are growing up now and and that are becoming adults and you are the voice of their team. Yeah, I just did a podcast with a couple of kids. Funny, uh, thank you. I just did a podcast with a couple of kids from Mercer Island, Washington. Right, you know, it's right across like, you know, it's right there in Seattle, part of Seattle. Anyway, and they at their high school, they have a radio station. I said, do you realize how freaking lucky you are? Wow. It's unbelievable. You're like 17, 18 years old. You're doing radio already. Unbelievable. Anyway, that's that was the theme of what they talked about. And, you know, I tell people that need to know, I mean, God rest his soul. Dave Niehaus was the you know voice for a couple of generations. And now, you know, I'm here, like you said, I'm hearing from people all the time. Hey, I've, I've got who's the kid from not, not Nimmo, but who was the, the right fielder that the Mets had from Oregon State? Conforto. At Conforto. So we're playing the Mets about five, six years ago at our place. 
And I'm talking to somebody, one of the Mets who I did know, and he sort of was like waiting in the background. He wanted to come with that. I didn't want to, I didn't want to be rude, but I just want to tell you, nice to meet you. I've grown up listening to you. <laughs> <laughs> I told my wife that. I said, yeah, you've been around for a long time now. What can I tell you? <laughs> it's all good. Yeah. About five years ago, there was a, a famous trade between the Mets and the uh, Mariners. It was uh, obviously Diaz for Kellenic. To this day, to this day, there's still arguments on the radio here about that that trade. You know, obviously Diaz had a great year. I know Kellenic is, is struggling, but he's still young. I think he's going to be what 23, 24 next season. He has I such percent potential. And your thoughts? I want to know what, what your thoughts on the trade from a Seattle perspective, because here it was just oh my god, it was just blown up here. Yeah, we got we got like a year and a half, uh, a year and a half, two years, really good. Uh, Robbie Cano. Kelnick has struggled, but he's had the last two Septembers. He's been a valuable con- uh, contributor, you know, in the playoff chases. He's got the five tools. Uh, it's it's just got every the whole package has to click. It's not clicking yet. I think it will this year. I, I, he's he's shown some signs, man. First of all, he he can play outfield. He can play any outfield position. He can th- he, he runs well. He's a fast runner. He's got a good arm. And uh, he takes good routes. I think he's a good outfield. I like him. I, I feel confident when I see a fly ball hit in his direction, he's going to get it. And he had to play some center field when Julio was out for a, a suspension and a hand injury one time. He acquitted himself very well in center field. And he's got stupid power. I don't really see Jerry and those guys, Jerry and Justin, President Jer- uh, Justin, uh, <laughs> Jerry DePoto, a president, baseball ops, and a GM, uh, Justin Hollander. I don't see them moving. I really don't. I'd be stunned if they did. I, I think that potential is still is still there, and it's going to blossom. And Diaz, I mean, he had a disastrous first year with you guys, but he's been mm-hmm. lights out since he just signed a long term contract. Yeah, yeah. record contract. And, yeah, he was on, but that one year he had with us. Woo, mm-hmm. man, game was over. Pass, start back in your bags. Yeah, and uh, you got used to that this last year. I mean, he's he's special. Uh, really. It was nice to see him when I went in. I saw him in the clubhouse this year. Hey, he came up, gave me a big hug and everything. Good guy. Yeah, nice. Edward Diaz. He's a, he's a keeper. Nice, nice. Yeah, he's a keeper. What Jeff says is that when Edwin Diaz is on the mound, throws the last pitch in the World Series and strikes out whoever he's facing and jumps up, people are going to forget the trade and just say, it was all worth it. <laughs> you don't even have to wait that long. It, it's totally worth it. It's totally worth it. He's, he's, a real, he's a real deal. Plus, you got Buck as a manager, although I still can't believe it collapsed the way it did, but that's baseball. That's, yep, baseball. that's baseball. You know, uh, I mentioned changes in the game. You know, next season, I think every team is playing every team. Yeah. Seattle is northwest, furthest, furthest destination for a baseball team. How's yeah, that going to affect and, the travel? Normally, yeah, normal years, we travel more than anybody. Right. I know, I think. Uh, we, I think the Mets come to us this coming year. We go to Philly. We go to the Yankees, obviously, Yankees in Boston. But, yeah, we're going to be, gonna be zigging and zagging all year, even more than we ever do. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we figured that, oh, that changes would, would affect Seattle, the, 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 I guess, yeah, the worst, yeah, I guess, sure. in that, that case. Yeah. I just want to get your thoughts on a couple of names I'm going to give to you, each row. First ballot Hall of Famer, uh, one of the best hitters I've ever seen. Yeah, I, I tell you what, a good outfield, a great outfield, a cannon for an arm. Yeah, uh, random base as well was a, I wouldn't say a great bunner, but a good bunner, mm-hmm. and a guy who loves baseball beyond words. And even now, before our home games, when he's in town, he's in town most of the time during the baseball season, and he's out shagging. I get there at two o'clock, two thirty. He's out there shagging and get or, or throwing extra BP to somebody. He's he's just a baseball 
He's a baseball machine. He's yeah. unbelievable. Junior. Birthday today, one of the all-time great players uh, and a friend. And um, he played so all out. He wanted to, He must have cost himself a couple hundred games. I mean, he hit six, what, 630-something home runs. I mean, he yeah. could have – if he wanted to pick somebody – I mean, you go back and look at it, that would, you know, have a chance to break the record. You got to look at Junior. I mean, that swing was just flawless. And, you yeah. know, here's a guy who played, he played the game hard. He played it clean. You know, he went back. You know, you always, these stories about when guys, you know, go home. Didn't quite work out the way he wanted. I don't know. That's not saying it would have worked out, you know, had he stayed in Seattle. But he had a great career. He had a great career. And that last, what was it, the 09 season, he had, he had some moments for us. Nice. I got two more for you. Pedro. Pedro Martinez? Yep, there's only one Pedro, oh. right? <laughs> it's like share. There's only one share. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> didn't see him a lot in person, but what I saw on TV, I mean, one of the great right-handers of all time. And, you know, not, not a real big guy, but, you know, uh, like Kofax, you know, big hands, long fingers. He could do a lot of things with the ball. Absolute gamer. Oh, my God. Yeah, he was fun to watch, too. And last one, Chris Russo. Good guy. You know, worked with him. I, I go on uh, MLB on his high heat show several times a year. I like he's a he's a character. He's a radio Hall of Famer. I give him a lot of credit. He's another guy that I think I'm trying to remember when this was. Oh, when I used to do my show at Madison Square Garden, we did those simulcasts. I remember seeing him walking in the back and he would come in and just watch. I remember that was I think my first first time I laid eyes on him. That was the first time I met him. Well, well, Dave, we, we appreciate this so much. Enjoy your family. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving. We're going to let you go. But, of course, you said you're friends with Ken Griffey Jr. So if you want to tell him how, what a great time you had on this show and, and, and have him come on, we, we, would, we would be grateful. That would be a good Thanksgiving for us, we'd say. You got it. All right, fellas. Enjoy right. it. Thanks a Thank lot. Do it again. Thank you All very right, much. Bless yeah. you. Bye-bye. And we want to thank Dave Sims for joining us. I really enjoyed talking to him. He is, you're right, he has that great voice of of, of, of a broadcaster. And I can't believe he's been doing Seattle Mariners for 16 years. Right. And and as I said in the interview, he's now somebody's voice of that team. Mm-hmm. They hear him. You know, he is associated with that team. Being a voice of a team is a, is, is a big deal. Yes, I think. I mean, you've got, you know, what about like the PA announcer, right? We we had Paul Olden on and, and we had Colin. Colin Cosell on. These are, you know, you're not seeing these people, their voices. You hear those voices. And again, you instantly think of that when you hear Paul Olden and he's doing his, you know, now playing, you know, number for the Yankees, a number that, right? Uh-huh. You just... It's all of a sudden it's summer again. And with Dave Sims, I'm telling you that voice. But anyway, great, great interview with him. Really enjoyed it. You know, Jeff, the holidays are coming. I'm glad you mentioned that. Why are you glad? You're going to because you want to tell me what you're getting me. Why? I mean, why? Why are you glad? Because you want me to tell people about two great, great websites, great companies baseballbbq.com you guys heard our interview with Brett Mandel and I'm not kidding the products are amazing they really have some great stuff go to baseballbbq.com you will be pleasant you will will love it 
And then, of course, there's the Pandemic Baseball Book Club. Many of the authors we've had on the show have their books featured there. Plus, they have some additional swag there. Yeah. And Len, you know, like you said, it is the holiday season. And I'd like to send my season's greetings to fellow podcasters that we've had the pleasure of interacting with. And so in no particular order, I'd like to say season greeting to Locked On MLB with Sully, baseball PhD guys with Ed Farley and Mark, Mets Musings with our friends Gary Gary Mack, Subway to Shea with Anthony Rivera, the Metsian podcast, of course, with Sam Richard Mike, baseball radio talk show, Rich Baxter and again, Gary Mack, Barbecue Happy Hour, Dan and Messy Mike, and of course, not last but not least, the Barbecue Central Show with Greg Rempe. Happy holidays to everybody and to all our podcasting friends in, in the podcasting world. Absolutely. When when you make a list like that, then it makes me start to think. Hit Life Barbecue, of course. Johnny Mags, wish him a happy holiday as well, right? Mm-hmm. Of course. Stevie Ray. Right, of course, Stevie Ray. And Jeff, of course, Lindell Scranton and Steve Kohler from Tailgate Guys Barbecue Podcast. You started and now had to add a couple, but all wonderful. And we wish them all very happy holiday. Absolutely. Len, what's next? Well, speaking of podcasts and barbecue and and well wishes, we have Dan Bosworth who does not, he he is not the Boz. He is Big Dan. Big Dan, who came on with us. He was a little under the weather. He was losing his voice. Yet he persevered, and he did a great job. And we thank him, and here he is, Big Dan. Our guests decided to take their love of barbecue, cooking barbecue, and turn it into their career. I mean, if I could take my my love of barbecue, eating barbecue and turn it into a career, I'd be I'd be doing great. But he took his love of cooking barbecue and now it's his career. He's a member of the NBPQA. He has a restaurant in Catawissa, Pennsylvania, a farm that he you know what? I could tell you all this, but then why would we need our guest? (laughs) We are very happy. To have with us a fellow podcaster, actually, and we'll talk about that as well. His name is Dan Bosworth. Hey guys, I wanted to call him the Boz, but his his name is Big Dan. So we're going to refer to him as Big Dan. Big Dan, welcome to Baseball and Barbecue. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Well, we're very happy you're here. And so you're in a town called uh, what's it called, Len? I got to say it again. Yeah. Catawissa. Catawissa. Yeah. Wow. I I did it right. That's in Pennsylvania. It is. For people who know only Philadelphia and Pittsburgh, where is Catawissa, Pennsylvania? So we're about two and a half hours northwest of Philadelphia, um, about 10 minutes off of I-80. So kind of right in the middle of the state, uh, north and south, a couple hours east of State College. So. Um, the biggest town close to us is uh, Bloomsburg. There's a university there. Um, that's probably the uh, the biggest. Actually, Bloomsburg is the the only town in Pennsylvania officially uh, recorded as a town. So that's their little claim to fame. But yeah, uh, yeah so we're 
kind of in the middle of nowhere, but my my wife's family, the Rohrbachs, uh, have had this farm for about 65 years here in the middle of nowhere. And so it's they've kind of built a reputation and we we tagged onto that with the barbecue restaurant about 10 years ago. Yeah. I just want to ask you about the the farm for a second. We'll get we'll get to the barbecue. Sure. But uh when I see things like this, my my mind wanders from the regular questions that we'll ask you. With a farm like that, I think I saw that you guys do uh the Halloween and the hayrides or the what is is Halloween a big season? What do you do for Halloween and do you have all the corn mazes and <clears throat> all that? Yeah, the the fall is definitely our biggest season. Um not so much focused on Halloween, but just the fall in general. Gotcha. We start about the middle of September and we have a corn maze and we have pick your own pumpkins and we have a, a kid's playland with an apple slingshot and a big corn pit. Uh, it's the it's the bottom ring of a, a grain bin filled about 12 inches with just dried corn and it's like a sandbox, but with corn kids get in there and play all day. And uh, the apple slingshot is like a water balloon launchers that we use shoot apples. We have a couple of cars out there and some pots and pans and stuff hanging. So it's just a good opportunity for people to uh, get out in the fall. And we had beautiful weather this year or every weekend was, was very nice. So um, that helped out a lot, but yeah, so the, the farm is open April to the end of the year, but fall is definitely our biggest time, but we grow strawberries, cherries, peaches, apples, uh, pumpkins, raspberries. I think that's about it. And then there's a, a farm market that's got all that produce and we have a bakery and a deli and some gourmet food products and little gift items. So it's a uh, kind of a destination, a little bit of everything to come to. So I'd imagine you, you have the whole, you have a whole farm staff. I mean, you're, you're not doing all the farming. Oh, no, I don't, I don't farm. I don't farm. We've got a whole, it's actually two separate businesses. The farm is a business and the barbecue restaurant is one. So they've got their own staff. They've got people who gotcha. do the, there was a guy out today putting straw on the strawberries to cover them for the winter so that they're ready next spring. And it's, that's definitely a year round uh, job pruning trees in the, in the fall and or in the winter and things like that. So, um, but yeah, they got a whole staff of people that do that. And, uh, I just cook the food. So I'm thinking that all the fruit that you, that the farm produces a lot of pies that you're serving in the restaurant. We, they sell a lot of pies. Um, we don't serve, <laughs> we don't serve them in the restaurant necessarily. Oh, no? They sell okay. them downstairs in the, in the bakery, but uh, yeah, apple pies, they do an orchard pie, which is apples, peaches, cherries, and blueberries. I think all together in one pie, that's pretty good. So it's uh we do a lot of pick your own stuff, pick your mm-hmm. own strawberries and peaches and, apples hopefully here this upcoming season so do you have uh macoon apples by any chance the name doesn't sound familiar okay but it's a it's a it's an apple that i just i a few years ago i came upon and i love them and all of a sudden this season they're they're in the store for a very short period of time yeah and this season i didn't see them at all so thought well, i'd ask you we actually lost a good amount of our crop of apples and peaches because we had a frost back in the spring so when the the buds start to come out if it gets too cold it kills them and we ended up losing a good percentage of that so that could have happened to other places too uh, i know some varieties that are earlier would have been further out and, and could have gotten hit with that so it's not an easy job farming that's for sure so so big dan let's get back into barbecue so you started out oh it looks like around 10 years ago with a company called or a uh, trailer called well done q Correct. So, so tell us about that. Yeah. So that was my original name. It was really three, threefold. 
So number one, as you guys know, if you're going to cook barbecue, especially pork or brisket, you're not going to serve brisket medium well or medium rare. It's going to have to be well done and beyond for it to, to break down. So that was kind of the, the first one. Number two is we wanted to make sure that everything we were doing in the business was done well. You know, we do it with excellence. We give quality product. We give good prices, good customer service. You know, it's just a, a way to do that. And then number three is a uh, Bible there talks about uh, at the end of the day, we want to hear a well done, good and faithful servant. And so that's kind of a goal too, like to make sure that I'm living a life that someday I'll hear well done, good and faithful servant. So that was kind of a threefold thing. Uh, the problem with it was with Q at the end of it, nobody around here knew what that meant. It, this is not a big barbecue area. It wasn't 10 years ago. And so people are like, it, the name just didn't really click with people. We kept it for a couple of years. I wanted the name Big Dance Barbecue when we first started, but BigDanceBarbecue.com was taken. And so I was like, well, let me find something else. Well, it was the, uh, after our 2015 season, I just happened to, I was on GoDaddy and I was looking up and I looked it up and it was available. So I snagged it and I said, we're changing the name of the business, change it to Big Dance Barbecue. And uh, that name kind of, stuck a lot better. I don't think well done Q is as memorable with people as big dance barbecue is. So same people, same food, same quality, just different name. And and that same people being a family business, correct? Your wife and your kids involved. Yeah. Yeah. So my youngest is 11. So he's starting to help out a little bit, but the, the older two, uh, one just graduated high school and one's a junior. They both worked with, with me for several years. My wife spends most of her time doing stuff with the farm business. So she isn't, she doesn't help out as much in the restaurant, but uh, still very much involved with, you know, our people and planning events and getting people here. We have a, we have a great crew, a great staff, you know, since we're seasonal and we're not seven days a week, I don't have, you know, I can't offer somebody a full-time year round job, but the people that we have are, it's either a second income for their family or, you know, whatever. And they've been with us for a number of years and, have been just fantastic. So then we do supplement with some high school kids here and there, you know, some of my son's friends and my daughter's friends that work for us for a while as well. But we got a pretty core group of staff that have been, uh, that have been awesome for a long time. And Dan, you've, you went from a, a trailer to now you, you have a, you have a sit down restaurant. We do. We do. So I'll tell you the story about how we got the trailer to start. So there's a, uh, a gentleman named Tom Christine, who owns Smoking Dudes Barbecue down in Ben Salem, Pennsylvania, just outside Philadelphia, Northeast. It's close to where we used to live. So I knew Tom just from living in the area. In 2012, I left my uh, corporate job, which was production operations, uh, manufacturing, basically. I wanted to do something with barbecue. So I, I went to Tom and I said, hey, I want to do something in the barbecue business. I was thinking about maybe getting into catering or something like that. And he said, uh, he said, well, I'm selling my trailer. And I knew the trailer. I'd seen it. And I was on the way home and I called my wife and I said, Hey, we're buying Tom's trailer. And she goes, okay, sounds good. <laughs> she had been bugging me to talk to Tom for a while anyway. And I wasn't listening. So I finally got the, the hint, but anyway, so we worked it out. He had someone else interested. They stepped away. And so we um, put a down payment on it. And then, had to kind of get some money together over the course of a few months. That would have been probably January 
of 13. And then we got it together and we opened up here. I think it was Mother's Day weekend of 2013 is when we opened uh, up here at the farm, which is about two hours from where we were living. So that first year we were traveling back and forth. And then the end of the year, we moved up here full time. Yeah. So we, I didn't know how to cook for a lot of people. You know, I'd cooked for small gatherings in my backyard, but so I kind of had to, had to learn as I went on, uh, you know, scaling up recipes and Tom was a big help with things like that. And, but yeah, we, we started off the first year and had to introduce, had to introduce our customers, our community to what my definition, our definition of barbecue is because it's a very unique thing here in central Pennsylvania. Barbecue is what most of the rest of the country would call sloppy Joe. So ground, ground meat with some yeah. sort of a ketchup sauce, but based sauce. Mm-hmm. I remember before we had this business, my mother-in-law said she was making beef barbecue for dinner. And I'm thinking, oh man, it's going to be, you know, brisket or a tri-tip or something like that. And uh, I was like, this isn't barbecue. This is sloppy Joe. <laughs> and so a lot of the, uh, the locals, that's just, you know, the, the terminology that they used for it. And there are restaurants that around here that specialize in that type of barbecue, beef barbecue, pork barbecue, uh, ham barbecue. It's it's kind of that same meat cut up with the barbecue sauce. So we kind of had to educate our customers on what barbecue, as we define it, is. It was a lot slower starting off than I expected, but we got into a local fair the first year, which was very good. And so that kind of gave us a little bit of income towards the end of our season and we said, all right, I think we can make a run of this. So we decided to move up here and do it, do it full time. So, well, do it as our only source of income, not so much full time, but do it as our primary source of income. So. But Dan, how did you start? What, I mean, you, you start, uh, you probably started like all of us, you know, a backyard griller, cooker, barbecue or whatever you want to call yeah. it. But what did you start cooking on? What was your first cooking my f- device? My first smoke was a turkey on an electric Weber. And it wasn't an electric, it wasn't a Weber. It was a Brigman. One of those little electric, mm. you know. Oh yeah. Ball type things. Yeah. That and, you put uh, like a, it, it's, you just put yeah. like a, a, a piece of wood or, I yep. mean, it's. It had an, yeah. it had an element in the bottom and some lava rocks. Right. And I right. put a couple chunks of wood in there. And I smoked, I think I smoked a turkey for, uh, for Thanksgiving or it might've been a pork, but I forget. But those were the first, one of those two were like the first two things I did. And uh, I was like, Hey, this is, this is pretty fun. I like this. It's, it's good. It tastes good. So it just kind of grew from there. A lot of it, a lot of our, my backyard stuff was, was grilling as well. So here's a funny, this ties in baseball and barbecue. You guys will appreciate this story. So 2008, the Phillies were in the world series and I, I, I think it was, it was the final game. I don't know if it was game six or seven, whichever the final game of the series was that night. So I was like, oh, I'm going to cook a a pork tenderloin. So I, I butterflied it and opened it up and I made like a chimichurri sauce, you know, cilantro and garlic and put it inside and rolled it back up. So it was kind of like this pork tenderloin pinwheel. And I, I tied it all off and I put it on the smoker. I had a gas smoker. Uh, it was my grill. I set up as a smoker at that time. I put it on and figured somewhere in the middle of the game, I'll check it and take it off or even the beginning of the game. 
Well, I fell asleep on the couch and <laughs> woke up at like the fifth or sixth inning. And I went, Oh, and I went outside and I mean, the, the very, very middle was temping at like 185. The ends were like 215. It was beyond the salvaging. I was able to slice a small piece out of the middle that was overdone, but still I was like, oh, that's, that tastes pretty good. But the rest of it was, was jerky. So that's my memory of the 2008 World Series was <laughs> over, <laughs> overcooked a pork loin. <laughs> overcooked. <laughs> that's pretty good. And yeah. and obviously you you moved up from the electric sure. smoker and <sighs> yep yeah, yeah. we I, I've had oh I've had every kind of smoker backyard smoker gas electric charcoal offset cabinet bullet whatever and uh, we would always we like to to hang out with friends and of course they would always they would always invite themselves over to our house like hey we should get together yeah sounds good can we come to your house. <laughs> sure no problem so i would always end up cooking something and um was was actually pursuing just getting like a, a meadow creek trailer and possibly doing some catering while i was working my regular job but you know looking at it i had three small kids and catering jobs would be saturdays sundays during the summer which was the only time i would spend any time with my kids so um since i was working during the week so i decided to uh to pass on that. Yeah. So it just kind of grew into something I, I really enjoyed and wanted to do something with it. I don't think I ever envisioned being in a, an old barn restaurant like we have now, but I figured, well, we'll just get started and, and see how it goes. And it's, it's gone pretty well for 10 years. Yeah. yeah this, this, you, you, this may will be our, our 10 year anniversary. Well, that's terrific. Happy anniversary. Yeah. So you, you, like you, you just mentioned you, you graduated from a trailer to a uh, sit down restaurant a couple of years ago, and it's in the it in your barn, right? It's a converted yeah. uh, loft, right? Correct. Yeah the the barn that this that's at this farm, I guess it was probably ninety nine or two thousand. My in laws had converted it from the original chicken barn to it was a gift shop, a lot of home decor stuff, pictures and lamps and candles, and I mean really really. A, a cool place, but over the, you know, 20 years or so of business, you know, online sales and discount stores and things like that it started carrying a lot of similar products. It just was, it was a lot of retail space that we figured we could use better. So we, we took over the operation of the farm in 2015. We're just kind of evaluating it. And in uh, 2019, the end of 19, we decided that we needed the space. We were going to move the barbecue business inside and build out a kitchen and an eating area. So we got the plans all together, got a contractor and started that in February of 2020. And then March of 2020, everything just fell apart. Mm -hmm. And so our project that was hopefully going to be completed by the midsummer ended up getting pushed back and back and back. So we stayed in the trailer outside, which actually worked out better because, you know, inside restaurants were closed and people didn't want to go out. So we stayed outside. We had picnic tables. People could sit at. I remember the first time we were open and I walked in and I go, can we sit at a picnic table? And I said, yeah, absolutely. I'm like, oh, this is fantastic <laughs> because everything had been shut down for so long. So, sure. so that, that, that actually ended up being a good, a good thing for timing wise that uh, we didn't have to 
trying to rush because even if we had got open in June, we wouldn't have been able to utilize it. So we ended up getting it finished over the winter, and then we opened in April of twenty one up here in the uh, the loft, uh-huh. the barn loft, we call it. And looking at your menu, it, it's looked like general barbecue, fair comfort food. You yep. know, just good old fashioned pork, chicken, brisket, and sides. How's how's business going? I mean, obviously you've been around ten years now, so you're, you're doing pretty well, and people like the the offering. And, and yeah. Jeff, look at the prices. Look at those prices. Yes. Yeah. Not bad. These, those are not, not Long Island prices. No. no. <laughs> or New York. No. I I was thinking it would, and I don't mean to interrupt, but I'm thinking it might be worth it to like take a lunch break, run to the restaurant, to your restaurant, which would probably be like, I don't know, four or five hours, whatever yeah, it is yeah. from here. But for those prices, it might be worth it. There you go. Bring it cooler and, and load up for your neighborhood. So <laughs> that's been always a challenge because we have... I mean, this is a, it's is rural Pennsylvania. And so it's, you know, I don't know what the median income is, but it's, it's not high. Uh, a lot of working class people, good people. Um, but we also have just down the street, Knobles amusement park, which mm-hmm. has been around for almost a hundred years. They draw people from all over the Northeast and even further they come. And so our business is, we couldn't survive with, just one or the other we couldn't survive with just the tourists and we couldn't survive with just locals so we have to have both so we have to kind of balance that you know because a lot of people come in and we hear that all the time like oh this place is so cheap but then other people come in and go "Ooh, it's expensive so you know there's a lot of restaurants around here that will sell a hamburger for three dollars it's a it's a cheap hamburger it's a quarter pound it doesn't have much on it that's their business model which is fine and so you know you're always kind of people are comparing what they can get at a local restaurant, you know, that's cheaper. And so we learned a long time ago, like I'll price our stuff where we can make money, where I think people are going to feel like they get a good value for what they get. And the outliers, the, Oh, this is too expensive or whatever. We just have to say, Hey, this is the, I heard a phrase one time in response to that. You know, oh, so-and-so down the street, they're a lot cheaper for the same thing. And the guy said, we know the value of our product. They must know the value of their product, which I thought was pretty a pretty good phrase. That's kind of where we help people understand, like, proteins aren't cheap. Oh, yeah, you asked about the menu. We tried, we've done a couple specials here and there. Uh, this year, we did even more. We do a smoked meatloaf. We have done some experimenting with things like bacon-wrapped pickles or bacon-wrapped Oreos or Ooh. smoked bologna sandwich uh we've done we did a a smoked salmon burger so we've experimented with a few things and we'll sell a few of them but primarily people come and they get the pork and the brisket and chicken and those things so but we do have regulars that always want something different dan now's the the point where i'm gonna jeff loves this because i saw that you grew up in ohio so and, and i went to school in ohio so I'm just curious, where'd you grow up? A little town called Cedarville. It's about 40 minutes east of Dayton. Okay. So kind of kind of halfway between Columbus and Cincinnati in that southwest corner. Mm-hmm. So okay. I'm still I'm still uh, reeling a little bit from this past weekend's uh, loss to Michigan. You know, it's yeah. I'm a, I'm a Buckeye fan. I get a lot of flack for it here in Penn State country. Oh uh, uh, yeah, you, yeah. That's true. You're in the wrong you're in the wrong place for that. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> but yeah, no, it's uh, I I moved I moved to Philadelphia after college. Went to school in Ohio, and then uh, went to Philadelphia. So I've I guess it's probably close. To, I've lived in Pennsylvania almost now as long as I lived in Ohio. So at some point, I'm gonna have to make the switch and say I'm a Pennsylvanian. But <laughs> uh, maybe in ten years, twenty. Yeah, years maybe. Ago. Yeah. And if you're a college football fan, I like I mentioned in the beginning to call you the Boz. And any relation to Dan, uh, to to Dan, to Brian Bosworth? Yeah. Not to my knowledge. Um, <laughs> no, I'm sure there. It's a. My dad's a. He has done all the genealogy, and he's got books and books on that stuff. And I'm sure somewhere it branches off, and you know, maybe a tenth cousin or something like that. But. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, no, no direct. I don't see him at family reunions. There's nothing like that. So, <laughs> yeah, well, Jeff's trying, still trying to figure out if he's uh, somehow related to uh, Steve Cohen, the billionaire owner of the Mets. But yeah, we, he yeah. hasn't been able to prove that hasn't, one either. Hasn't, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I also see, uh, by the way, the website is bigdancebbq.com. I also see that you have catering business too. You do catering. I saw you did we do. Thanksgiving a couple of weeks ago. Yep. Yep. We've had catering kind of on our menu since we've been open. You know, people ask, Hey, we, can we get this for a party? Last year we hired a guy uh, full-time and he's, he's taken over the job as our catering manager. He's really helped to grow it because he's able to respond to people quickly. Uh, whereas I would end up being tied up with the the business over the weekend and then coming on Monday and try to answer emails or phone calls from three or four days ago. So he's able to answer those quicker. And our catering business has grown pretty well. A lot of weddings, a lot of just small parties, grad parties, office parties, mm-hmm. things like that. So yeah, it's been, it's been good. It's been a good addition to the, uh, to the business. So we did last year, we did a Thanksgiving meal and it was pretty well received. We did it again this year and yeah, everybody seemed to seem to like it. So yeah. So big Dan, I know you you're you're a little under the weather. We greatly appreciate that you did not cancel on us. We well, I know we've, is... we've rescheduled about four times, and I don't want to I don't want to do it again. Yeah. So, but but we we know. So I just want to ask you now. We we had the pleasure of being on your podcast, which of yep. course is the Barbecue Happy Hour, yep. which you co-host with uh, Messy Mike. Correct and. I listened to the podcast. You've had some great guests. One time I enjoyed just you you guys, the guests you were supposed to have. There was a scheduling conflict or whatever. Yeah. You guys just talked back and forth. You guys got a great rapport. The only thing is the last episode I see was with Joey Machado back in September. Yeah. So like I said, the fall is a very busy time for us and uh, also for, for Messy Mike. And so there were a few weeks where we, try to get somebody and they couldn't make it. And then there were a few weeks where I said, Hey, I can't, I can't do anything this week. We've got catering stuff coming up. We've got, you know, whatever. And there were a couple of weeks that he couldn't make it. So we said, let's just kind of put a pause on it for a little bit. And then when things slow down, we'll pick it back up and, and try to do, uh, try to do, we were trying to do it weekly. And obviously that ended up being, I think what we, we would have been better off to maybe say, we've got all these guests, let's schedule them once every two or three weeks mm-hmm. and be able to spread that out instead of getting everybody in the first three months and then, you know, burning ourselves out. So we'll revamp it. We'll come back. Definitely. Yeah. Good. But it's, good been, it's a good lesson. Yeah. 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 It's very enjoyable. Oh, yeah. we, we enjoy doing it for sure. Yeah. yeah. And 
I, I hear you what you're saying, because we, we went from when we first I mean, our five year anniversary is coming up. So oh. half as long as your restaurant. But same thing. When we started, we were sporadic and then we went to every other week. And now somehow we were every week. And usually we have two guests, one from baseball and one from barbecue. Yeah. I, sometimes I wonder when we sleep. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I also everybody should go to the website, bigdansbbq.com, and take a look at the pictures. I mean, these mouthwatering pictures of the food here, but also I'm I'm really impressed by the decor of the restaurant. It really looks a really nice, you know, home home style place. I had a vision of what I wanted with the National Barbecue Association. We've gone down to the conference the last several years, and a couple of years in a row, it was in Fort Worth, and so they do a bus tour. So we got to go around to five or six different restaurants each year. And then we did, uh, we did Nashville, we did Jacksonville. So we've, we've gone on these tours and seen a couple dozen barbecue restaurants, you know, kind of file away things. Oh, we like that. We don't like that. So I kind of had an idea what I wanted. And then again, with our, with the farm market, there are, we're not too far from Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And so there's a lot of, in that area, wholesale, decor places my wife and i went down there and i said i don't know what i want but i'll know it when i see it and so just kind of walking through and i said oh i like that i like that i like these three pictures here or whatever so we were able to to kind of decorate i didn't want it to look like a you know a a chilies or Applebee's with uh, pictures everywhere because those are those are curated very specifically and i don't have that skill so i said well let's let's make it look you know like a barbecue place and my my brother also from Ohio, he came in our opening weekend and he had been up and seen it, but not decorated. And he walked in, he goes, this is a barbecue place. You can tell when you walk in. And I said, all right, that's what I was going for. Uh, it looks, it looks really cool. Really cool. You know, I know uh, my sister lives in Sugarbush, Pennsylvania, which I know is not too far from it. I know it's off at 80. So maybe one day when I get to see her, we'll, we'll come on out to uh, what, big dance. What was BBK. the town again? Sugarbush. It's it's yeah. It's not far. Mm-hmm. That's not far, maybe an hour, I think. Yeah. So, yeah, that's worth the drive for good barbecue. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Come over in the summer when there's a lot, of, lot more stuff to do. Well, when do you, so you, at one point, you stopped the, the barbecue business on the weekends or, yeah, oh, we, well, now you have the restaurant. So is it all year? No, it's not all year because we're still partnered with the farm okay. and the market and we're, we're upstairs and the parking is kind of, they're going to come. It's, it's almost, it's almost like a cracker barrel. We've got to come through the market to get to the restaurant. And so most of the parking's out there. So if we were to stay open, they would have to stay open. Ah, And it's just a lot to, you know, try to cook, you know, make baked goods and bring in fresh produce and things like that. This time, you know, the January, February, March, and even the beginning of April around here is, is dead. You know, Knobles is closed. They're seasonal. They bring a ton of people. You know, there's towns, but they're 15, 20 minutes in various directions. We just decided a while ago, it's nice to take that break. So sure. actually this year, the the 17th is our last day open for uh, December 17th is our last day open for this season. And then we'll open again in April, probably the whatever, 22nd, 23rd, somewhere in that range. But we do catering all year long. We had a lot of catering things last last year during the off season. Nothing huge, but small orders, you know, businesses that are doing an event or something like that will call us and 
So we can still, you know, the, the kitchen's still available. We'll still cook stuff. We just aren't open on a day-to-day basis to the public because it's a lot of work to cook and do all that for maybe people not showing up or just a few right. people. And sure. So, right. and, and me, then you can concentrate me, on the podcast. Let me just correct yeah, exactly. myself. Let me just correct myself. My sister lives in sugar loaf, not sugar, sugar loaf. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that make more sense. Cause uh, obviously I'm not there all the time. So. <laughs> <laughs> maybe she should move to sugar bush. Maybe, maybe. Dan, Okay, like Glenn said, we really you know appreciate you taking the time. We know you're un- under the weather, so we'll, we'll let you go. If you no, want to, right. if you want to pu- uh, plug some of your social media, please do at this time. Yeah, Instagram and Facebook, Big Dan's BBQ. We don't have a Twitter. We don't have a TikTok. You won't see me dancing, anything like that. But, <laughs> oh, uh, damn! Yeah, <laughs> say it ain't but, uh, so. Yeah, everything's Big Dance BBQ. There, there is a Big Dance Barbecue in Tennessee which we've gotten phone calls ordering food at times and we'll make it. And then we call the person back and they go, we already picked it up. And we say, no, you didn't. And we said, you're in Tennessee, right? And they said, yeah. So, Uh, but no, it's, it's big dance barbecue in Pennsylvania and uh, big dance, bbq.com on Facebook, on Instagram. Like I said, we'll be here a few more weeks. December 17th is our last day. And then opening again, the end of April. And we're going to do some sort of a 10 year, celebration in uh in mid-may so not sure what we're going to do yet but we got some time to figure that out some sort of a 10-year birthday party anniversary whatever well that's excellent thank you so much for joining us feel better and you know everybody should check this out this restaurant looks really really good all right thanks guys appreciate it thank Thank you. you very much dan all right have a good night and thank you big dan for joining us i hope you know this restaurant sounds terrific i gotta get out there len yeah, well, you can you, you if if you go to Sugarbush, you'll never get there. But if you go to Sugarloaf, <laughs> exactly. But yes, he started in a trailer, and now he's in now he's in a restaurant. He's in a sit down restaurant. So business business is good. He's going to be celebrating ten years next next year in yeah. April or May. Yeah, ten ten years. I thought five for us was a big deal, but of doing the podcast, but he's. Running a restaurant for 10 years, or that's huge. Yeah, you so, know, ne- ne- our next episode is going to be our five-year episode. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. I didn't, you know what's funny? I, I, know, I know it's mid-December. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, that, that should be a good one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that might be a surprise. <laughs> exactly. Speaking of surprises, we have a surprise for this podcast at the end. We are debuting a new song. That is a surprise. Yes. Oh. So you're going to want to hear the end of this because it's a yes. new song. It's not our regular baseball always brings you home. No. Ooh. So, so Jeff, now I'm actually excited for the show to end. Oh, really? Yeah. And you know that we are brought to you by Bet Online, where the game starts. But see, notice I'm saying this now. Happy. We are not starting, we are ending, but we are not actually ending in the normal way, which I love too. I love baseball always brings you home. But this is a new one from the poet, Shel Krakowski, the musician, Dave Dresser. There's even a video with this. So if you, I guess you could see it on YouTube, but Jeff, what's the name of the song? I got the worst cold turkey end of baseball blues. Ooh, that is. 
and and you you will listen to this and see the video and you will if you're if you're a baseball fan who is sorry to see the season end then you are going to love this and for everybody if you want to see the video len is going to put these in the show notes you'll put the yes. link in the show notes so the link will be in the show notes so you'll be able to click and go to the video before we leave len i yeah. just, i just want everybody to know if they want to give us a call Give us a call at 516-855-8214. Email us, baseballandbbq at gmail.com. We have a Facebook. Leave a comment on our Facebook page, Baseball and BBQ. We have a Twitter at tweet, 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 at Baseball and BBQ. Instagram, Baseball and Barbecue with Barbecue is all spelled out. Our website is www.baseballandbbq.weebly.com. Please rate, review, subscribe, and now Len. Now we can end the show with, I got the worst cold turkey end of baseball blues. Say it again. I got the worst cold turkey end of baseball blues. See ya.